Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today, oh, what a treat, by Faith. It's me. Hello. I'm here. You made it. I'm alive. Thank you for um, braving the, win- I almost said the winter trains, the <laughs> weekend trains. Yep, had to go all the way out to Broadway Junction, turn around and yep. come back. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that means nothing to anyone who doesn't live <laughs> in New York, but just know it's a real it's, pain in it's, the ass. Uh, yeah, as bad as it sounds. It's <laughs> like if you were driving your car somewhere and all of a sudden the authorities were like, you can't go down this street. And you were like, but I live on that street. And, and they're, they're like, like, you can't go down the next five streets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need you to go three miles out of your way and then walk home. Uh, it's like that. So... <clears throat> How are, you, how are you? What's going on? I was out very good, late, good. so I apologize in advance if I am incoherent in this episode. I'm going to do the best I can, but Mama got home at 3 a.m. I did that two nights ago. <laughs> Where were you? What were you doing? Um, I was visiting some friends um, who I never get to see. They have, like, two little kids, so, you know, they don't, like, go out. Sure. Um, and every time Eric and I go visit them, it's like we look up, and it's 1.30, and we're like, Oh my God, we God have damn to it. go. Yeah. Um, my comedy sketch group, which is uh, Luma Thoughty, <laughs> think about it, uh, which is part of the Boogie Manja program. These are all terms that you guys don't need to know, but I feel I should shout them out. We had our final show last night, so we were like, oh, we got to go out. We got to celebrate. Oh, yeah. And then I looked at my phone and I was like, uh-oh, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> and then I got home at 3 so but how guys, was the show? It was great. It was very fun. Uh, thank you to everyone who came out. It was a good audience. Very receptive. Um, awesome. Like to laugh, which is always good in a comedy audience. So I have an announcement at the top of the show. There's not going to be a weekly recap episode next week because I'm going to be in L.A. So just fun. a heads up. Um, sometimes you guys panic when there's <laughs> a new episode and you're like, oh, my God, are you OK? Which I appreciate. I'm fine. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you can follow what's going on. I'm out there for comedy stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know if you need your Allison fix. Go follow me over there. Um, and then, yeah, Faith is going to watch the kitties for me. Yep. My favorite. Yeah, they love their aunt. So at the top of that episode, I have some recommendations that I want to give. But before I get to that... <clears throat> Faith. Yes. <laughs> Did you hear about what happened at Target the other week? Okay. No. So this is great because then you won't know where the story is going. Okay. So last weekend I was in improv practice. No big deal. I'm very funny. And I was like, guys, um, after this, I think I'm going to go get some clothing for LA because I should probably have clothes to wear while I'm there. And they were like, great, go shop, enjoy yourself. And I was like, I will. So I went to Target in Brooklyn mm-hmm. um, by where the Alamo Draft House is in that big complex. Oh, okay. So I go in and it's like a little weird where it seems like the store is in disrepair where I go to like different displays and I'm like, oh, the sizes are all out of order Different sizes are on different hangers. And I was like, oh, I guess, you know, this store is just, they're slacking. So then I pick, I don't know, four or five things that I want to try on. And I go to the changing room. And usually there are dressing room attendants there who are like, Mm -hmm. how many items do you have? You know, like prevent shoplifting and stuff. Nothing. No employees anywhere. And then I realize I haven't seen an employee in the store at all. Um. And there are like shopping carts everywhere. And I'm like, this is weird. So I, but again, I, it does, I don't break my stride. I'm like, I'm going to try on the outfits anyway. I'm going to get these few things. And I was like, great. So then I go to the front of the store and the line is like around the entire store. Like it goes past the registers through the like home items. And I get in line behind this girl and I go, do you know what's going on with this line? And this woman wheels around on me and it's just like wild eyed. And she's like, it's happening all over the country. And I was like, oh, I just decided to speak to an insane woman. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, okay, lady. And then I searched on Twitter and there's a hashtag called Target Getting, like Armageddon, but for Target. And apparently their entire system went down 
all over the country. Oh, and it had been yeah. down for hours. And I oh, just got man. there, again, such an asshole. I like rolled in at the end of it. So I was in line for maybe 20 minutes. But there were people who were in line for two hours. Wow. And they just, but a lot of people like abandoned their carts mm-hmm. and just like walked out in a huff. Every employee in the store was at the registers. Yeah. Just trying to, it was a nightmare. What they ended up having to do was they had people download the Target app and they were hand scanning everything. Wow. It was a nightmare. So I, I feel like if I were just a low level employee, I would have quit. I so they were calling employees trying to get them to come in. The, some employees were like, fuck you, I'm not coming in. Yeah. Uh, which I don't blame them. Also, I got to the register and I asked the girl who's very nice. I was like, uh, has this ever happened before? And she's like, oh, it crashes all the time. This is just the first time it crashed nationally. But she's like, our system goes down like once every weekend and we have to reboot it. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So here's my conspiracy theory. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I think Target is getting hacked and they don't want to admit it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm like, why would your, if your system is just bad and it keeps crashing that much, Uh, you would replace it. Yeah, like get, get a different system, get some coder to look at exactly so i'm like no something's going on like they're getting breached and they don't want to admit it um but i'm like god damn it was like very end of days though so here's the moral of the story if the end of days happen i'm not going to notice for like the first (laughs) few hours it'll be a very like Shaun of the dead type situation where i'm just walking around like where are the jumpsuits i mean i think that's pretty true for everyone like (laughs) we're all gonna be like Oh, man, it's just uh, another Tuesday with bad traffic. Well, especially in New York. It's like for behavior to register as odd in New Mm. York City, it has to be on like an 11 on the scale. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just like, yeah, it's Tuesday. So I walked into Target and it was like abandoned and people were (laughs) running around. And I was like, yeah, it's Brooklyn. I don't know. Shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Before I get to like normal pop culture recommendation stuff. Uh, I want to recommend Seth Myers has a segment on his show where basically he just drinks with celebrities <laughs> and he recently had Rihanna on and it's so fucking funny. So I follow a couple of the uh, late night writers on Twitter and I saw them tweeting about this and one of the writers was like, oh my God, they got so drunk so fast. And I was like, who is she talking about? And then I was like, oh my God, it's Rihanna. You have to watch this segment and I'll link to it in the lips and recap. But it's 11 minutes long. I have no idea how long the actual, like how long they shot. I was trying to figure that out because I'm like, you can't keep Rihanna that long. If I had to guess, I would say they probably had her for like an hour. But (laughs) again... I mean, they're just doing shots. And then Seth tries to sing her songs. It's very, very funny. Rihanna, in the coolest move I've ever seen, uh, takes some salt because she's going to do a shot. You know, and some people like lick salt off your hand before you do that. But she uses her nail. And it's the coolest thing you'll ever see. That's all I'll say. But you should actually watch it. So I recommend that. Then on a more serious note, over at The Cut, they have an excerpt from uh, E. Jean Carroll of a I think ultimately it's going to be in the New Yorker um but she is a old school she's been around forever uh advice columnist great writer um not unproblematic in the history of her writing but this piece is really good and it's about uh how Donald Trump raped her Um, In addition to other hideous men that she's encountered in in her life. And she does this really beautiful thing where she sort of like brings you through the timeline of her life. Like here's the first bad or he was a boy, I guess. But here's the first bad boy I met when I was like a child. Here's the first bad guy I met when I was a teenager. And up through her uh, when Donald Trump assaulted her. And sort of using it to explain, like, women deal with this shit all the time. Here's why we don't talk about it. Here's why it might not even register in my mind as being unusual. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the Donald Trump moment uh, registered as horrific. But, like, you know, like, abusive boyfriends. Like, back in the day, it was just sort of like, yeah, you just grin and bear that, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's really well written. It's... um, 
it's really moving, haunting, but also really darkly funny sometimes. So I highly recommend that and I'll link to that as well. Um, yeah, and there have been people, of course, being like, oh, why didn't she come out with this like when he was you know, running for president? And I'm like, because it wouldn't have made the slightest bit of difference. Yeah, how many and victims like, came forward? Um, yeah, it like women, exactly. women saying that is just like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is wrong with you? And if you've been assaulted, like it's your choice whether to talk about it and how to talk about 100%, it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I actually like it made me really sad in the excerpt that the cut published where she calls herself a coward at one point, which is totally valid that she feels that way. Um, and like, you know, she's on a journey with it and you, d- you never want to be like, don't feel that to someone because right. it's like she feels that. But it made me really sad where mm-hmm. I was just like, you're not a coward. You wrote this piece. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's very honest. Um, obviously, huge trigger warning because she goes into pretty graphic detail about the assault. Um, but yeah, the president's a rapist. So that's cool. Uh, and... <clears throat> I also wanted to shout out on Twitter at cyclical mind is you who uh, tweeted me and was freaking out. Like, have you seen the trailer for Dr. Sleep? Which, uh, yes, I have. And I know some people were being little jerk faces about it in case you don't know. Is that the one that's like a the shining sequel? Yeah. 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 So it's a uh, little Danny has grown up. And he's still getting, uh, he still has The Shining. And he meets a little kid who also has The Shining. So it's sort of a continuation of that, like, mentor-mentee um, relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think it looks great. Uh, yeah, is it derivative of The Shining? Yeah. <laughs> like, it kind of would have to be, right? Um, I don't know. Like, stylistically, I think it looks cool. I'm intrigued, like Ewan mm-hmm. McGregor, like Mike as the director. So, um, yeah, I'll check it out. So, I have so many recommendations. But before I get to that, Faith, is there anything you're reading, watching, listening to that you want to recommend to people? Um, I just started watching Pose. Oh, I have not had like, time to watch that yet. I've... I mean, I've only gotten like 40 minutes into the first episode because yeah. I started it last night. How do you like it? Um, it's really good. I'm mm. enjoying it a lot so far. Everybody's been raving about it. That's like one of the shows where I'm like, fuck, there's too much good shit to watch mm-hmm. right now. Well, that one, it's not a whole lot of episodes. Yeah. Um, there's only one season so far. So Right. Um, I have to get around to watching that. The reason I haven't had time to watch that is because Big Little Lies is back on. <laughs> and listen... Meryl is chewing the scenery every second of the day and I have to be there for it. (laughs) She is making choices that I'm just like, I don't even know if this is good, but (laughs) you're doing it. So I'm into it. Um, Yeah, it's it's I like this season. I like that because if you haven't seen the show, season one, there's this big secret that Nicole Kidman's character is hiding, which is that she is in a violent relationship. And we know that from like episode one, um, somebody dies. So there's like this big, like who dies, right? So season two, by the end of season one, we know all the answers. So season two, I was like, where's the, the tense factor going to come in? Like, what is going to be the unanswered, like a factor X, what's going to be the factor X. And it's Meryl Streep who plays the abusive husband's mom. Um, And yeah, I guess it's not even a spoiler anymore. It's been out for so long, but the husband dies end of season one. So, uh, and the the women kill him because uh, he's going to beat Nicole Kidman to death basically in Mm -hmm. front of them. So they kill him. (laughs) And it's very cathartic. It's so cathartic. Um, Zoe Kravitz comes charging down the stairs like a little bull and just shoves him down the stairs and he dies. Uh, So, but they lie about it and they say it's an accident. Mm -hmm. So season two is Meryl Streep who plays his mother coming to help her raise the kids, but she knows they're not, they haven't told her everything. Yeah. And she is just the weirdest, scariest woman. And 
she's just making very interesting choices, but every moment she's on the screen, you kind of feel sick because you're just like, I don't know what you're going to do. And you're so unpredictable. And these women were right to kill your son. And Mm -hmm. like, like the last episode, Nicole Kidman, uh, her character just told her that he was abusive and she doesn't believe her, obviously. Mm So, but it's a horrible scene where Nicole Gaiman is just like, he was, I'm sorry, you don't believe it, but he was. And she's just like, no, you would have gone to the police. Like what we were talking about with uh, E. Jean Carroll. Yep. Like lots of victim blaming bullshit where it's like, well, if he was so abusive, you would have told somebody. And it's like, no, no, she wouldn't no, have. That's not how it works. Nope. Um, so I'm loving the new season. And yes, is it, is it fan service? A hundred percent. There are scenes in Big Little Lies where I'm like, they knew this would be a meme. There's a moment in the last episode where Laura Dern's character screams, I will not not be rich. And I was like, everybody's (laughs) going to quote that on Twitter. But I don't care. It's fun. You know, like, I think it's very, it's a very funny line. Laura Dern was having a lot of fun with it. I had fun watching it. Um, So I'm there for it. So also, do you watch Handmaid's Tale? No, I watched um, part of the first season. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be watching this yeah, anymore. Yeah, <laughs> super triggering. Yeah, so it just, um, it gets worse from there. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> it never stops being triggering. Triggering. So I'm watching the new season. Uh, I don't know. I, everything at this point feels very drawn out. Um, well, yeah, because they moved away from the books material. Yeah, which actually they did a really good job with. And, um... There's potentially a lot of cool places they could go. I'm interested in Bradley Whitford's character. He is an entirely new character that they created who's mm-hmm. this really interesting guy who is part of the patriarchal structure of Gilead. And he's also working to subvert it in these small acts of defiance. He'll occasionally mm-hmm. like smuggle out a handmaid. Um, and... But also at the same time, like sit in on these meetings where they're talking about ways to expand Gilead at the same time. So he's like doing both. So you like it really is unclear if he's a good guy or not. (laughs) Um, So that's interesting. So I'm I'm still going to watch that, even though I'm occasionally bored with it at this point. Selena, I'm just like, there's been like four or five moments where I was like, oh, Selena's going to kill herself. Or, or Serena, Serena, not Selena. Uh, she's going to kill herself. She's walking into the ocean. Now she's going to kill herself. And it's like, no, she's just pensively looking at the horizon. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's happening with this character at this point. Um, also, I started Outlander. Okay. Because uh, Meredith was raving about it to me. Not just Meredith. Every horny friend I have yeah. was like, you have to watch it. It has the hottest sex scenes. And also it's really entertaining. And I was like, okay, so I'm on episode four now. And it's interesting. It's good. I, I have a feeling I like, I'll get more into it mm-hmm. the further along I, I go, but yeah, it's good. I don't remember how I found this out, but, um, the, the books were published like a while. Like they've been out yes. for a long time. And it, it feels like that. It feels like, uh, you know, your, your typical PBS mm-hmm. special with a lot of sex, like <laughs> way more nudity, way more sex. Mm-hmm. And actors are all great. The storyline is really interesting. So yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. Cool. So far, so far. <laughs> um, I'm hoping I'll like get more into it, you know, like at the, it, <sighs> It is one of those shows where I, I keep peeking at the status bar. Like, how much longer is there? Yeah. How much longer is there? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, kind of like that. While also enjoying it. It's hard to describe. Some shows, like, you just, like, really lose yourself in it. And it's like, oh, my God, it's over. Okay. But this one is a little, like, okay. <laughs> the pacing is a little slower. Um, and then finally on HBO, I started Los Spookies. Which is uh, Fred Armisen and uh, Julio Torres. It's a bilingual Spanish comedy. Okay. And I really, so I only saw the first episode. I love the idea of it. So it's this group of people and they call themselves a horror group. And they get together and they service people who need spooky things to happen. So like there's a priest who wants to feel like, important at his church so they stage an exorcism Mm -hmm. and one of them pretends to be possessed and they have a bunch of spooky um 
uh, special effects that happen. And like, that's what they do. Like if you need something scary to happen, they, they make it happen. That's very funny. It's a very funny, very interesting idea. And it's written by Julio Torres, who's one of my favorite comedy writers and his character. There are just these little details that I find so funny where he has this really dark backstory where he was placed on the steps of a church when he was a baby and there was like a storm and like, basically he's a demon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's what they're leading you to believe. And he keeps trying to tell his very dark backstory and no one cares. Like every time he starts it, somebody just like, because he's told the story so many times, they're like, yeah, yeah, we know you were placed in the steps of a church. And it's like, it's so funny because it's like, why would you talk about anything other than his weird backstory and nobody cares? Also, he has an incredibly hot boyfriend who he hates (laughs) and their relationship is so fucking funny. Um, But yeah, so I'm very curious to see more of Julio's character. The pilot, I don't know if it was very funny, but it was just interesting. Mm-hmm. Julio's moments were very funny. But uh, the rest of the show, and it went really fast. It's only like a half an hour, I think. The rest of the episode, I was like really into it. And I was like, this is really interesting and like visually very interesting to watch. But I wasn't laughing a ton. Yeah. But I've heard that the more along, the deeper you go into the season, the funnier it gets. So I'm excited to watch it. Cool. Uh, anything else? Anything else you're reading? Um, oh, man, I've been reading so much. Um, anything you want to recommend? If Okay, so this book has been out of print for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was published in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Bisexual Horizons. By It was put out by the Off Pink Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. It's a collection of essays um which weirdly most books solely about bisexuality are including the one i wrote um you want to plug your book uh yeah my book how queer um it's also about bisexuality also a collection of essays yep yeah um but yeah this that one that i was reading is really good um it was kind of both an interesting snapshot of the movement at the time um and also a little demoralizing to realize that they're like, Oh, this is gonna, you know, the, the bisexual movement's about to blow up and like, you know, any second going <laughs> to be big <laughs> and we're still dealing with like a lot of the exact same problems. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then let's see also, um, I was reading, Oh, I forget the, author but it's called transnational radicals Mm. and it's about um italian anarchists in the u.s and canada um in like the 1800s early 1900s Mm. um and that's an interesting one because um when you think about italians in the u.s you think a lot about um the people who kind of um decided to be racist so that we get to be white (laughs) um you think about um all of the fascism and stuff um and yeah so if you have like italian heritage it's always good to read about like the fact that there were always a lot of leftists as well in our background yeah absolutely know your history kids yep um so on that note we should probably get into the bad news but don't worry (laughs) i know um don't worry we're gonna end things with good news so let's all hold hands and cry here's your bad news All right, let's start the bad news with Max Landis. So if you don't know, Max Landis is a guy, a male director, (laughs) so we know he's trouble, um, who was heralded as being like the next exciting young director in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. He directed Chronicle, uh, he directed Bright, and people were just like raving about like, you know, he's a visionary, uh, he's the future of Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. He's also a sexual predator, (laughs) everybody. Surprise, surprise. So there's a really in-depth 
profile of Max Landis and uh, his victims, um, girlfriends, women that he has known, uh, who all have very similar stories about how he is a creepy predator who grooms women, invites them into his social circles, and then sexually victimizes them. So... I, again, huge trigger warning, but it is a really, really good profile of this dude and also how the culture of Hollywood allows someone like him to have access to tons and tons of victims and also how women can blame themselves for, um, as they see it, falling falling for someone like him. Mm -hmm. When in fact, it's like, you're not dumb for having quote unquote fallen for his shtick, right? It's that he's a creepy predator and like, that's what creepy predators do, you know? So, uh, I highly recommend reading it, but also like, I feel like we should put a moratorium on having male directors until we figure out what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, this is a pattern of behavior, right? And it's even beyond the usual pattern of behavior, which is that men, um, men can be creepy sexual predators, right? It's like a special class of creepy sexual predator when you're a director because you're like, mm-hmm. it's like priests, right? You're a protected class. Yeah. Victims are less likely to come forward. And when they do come forward, there's this institutional structure, whether it's the church, whether it's Hollywood, that is designed to protect you mm-hmm. from any consequences because you direct a chronicle and people like chronicle, you know, <laughs> just by the way, I liked chronicle, but uh, Max Landis is a creepy sexual predator who should not get funding to make more movies. Yeah. Um, he will obviously, <laughs> but I'm saying he shouldn't. So I, I, but I do recommend everybody go read that. The profiles by Amy Zimmerman. Um, also, I wanted to talk about Trump and Iran. Oh boy. I'm having like 2005 flashbacks every single day. So the last I spoke about Iran, um, there had been that strike on an oil tanker and uh, this administration could not run fast enough to (laughs) blame Iran for it. Mm -hmm. Even though we have the captain of a Japanese tanker saying that he was there and he claims that things could not have gone down the way the U.S. is claiming. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. So then there was a separate incident where Iran shot down a drone which, by the way, was flying in an unauthorized area. So Iran actually had the right to do that. But the U.S. freaked out where they were like, you shot our flying Roomba or whatever. (laughs) So all we did was fly it over your territory. In an unauthorized (laughs) area, and you would have done what any other country in the world would have done, which is fucking shoot it down. Um, So, But really, really scarily... Apparently, if you if you believe Trump, which listen, I'm not saying we should, but his version of events is that they were 10 minutes away from bombing facilities in Iran when he decided I don't believe he actually asked this. I think somebody in the room was like, hey, by the way, just so you know, if we do this, 150 people are going to die. And. That's how I think it went down. I don't think he even asked, like, what are the civilian casualties going to be? Oh, I, yeah. No, I think it, there was someone in the room who was like, I can't believe this is about to happen. Hey, by the way, you're about to kill 150 people. Yeah. And he called, accor- again, according to Trump, and I don't believe it went down this way. I think he had advisors in the room who were like, we would advise you not to do this because 150 people are about to die. Yeah, there's literally, there's, I, I don't see Trump ever deciding, like, oh, I'm going to bomb something and then being like, wait a second is this too much <laughs> he's not that type of guy right he's not gonna be like is, am i guys am i a bad man like that's <laughs> never gonna be trump right so but long story short they call off the attack thank fucking god mm-hmm. and trump tries to paint himself as this like benevolent leader where he was like you know i thought it was not proportional to what had happened and it's like <laughs> man you think the little robot got shot ne- shot down you were gonna kill 150 people for that yeah, not proportional, I would say. Mm. I What would be Which, proportional? It's like maybe shoot down one of their drones. But they didn't have any flying in an unauthorized area. Um, but what frustrated me about this is so many media outlets also parroted the fact or parroted his claim, which was like, 
wow, how measured, how wise. And it's like, <laughs> first of all, it's still a, a very overt threat to say to a yeah. country, I could have killed 150 of you, but I'm so benevolent, I chose not to. That's still a threat to yeah. Iran. Iran, like, what a fucking scary situation. Like, there is an unhinged leader who hates you, who is like, you know, I was going to kill 150 of you, but I decided not to today. Like, yeah, great. Thank you. You know, it's just it's very obvious that this administration is pretty much looking for a war, salivating for a war, another war. Like, Mm -hmm. holy fuck. And I bet you the only thing that is stopping them is there's no like, okay, so Iraq had no exit strategy, right? Mm-hmm. But Iran has even less of one. Like, if you start a conflict in Iran, nobody knows how big it could get, how many countries will, the domino effect of it. Mm-hmm. There's just... And also, with the hindsight of having seen what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan, being like, okay, so we destabilized that entire region. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, you have to make sure that you definitely look like the good guy going into it. Yeah. And also just the fatigue Americans have after Iraq and Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and Syria. You know, like, it is harder than ever to get Americans on board. It feels like there is... The whole patriotism thing that swept the nation after 9-11 is not going to happen again. Yeah. Now, if there's another domestic attack that they can somehow finagle it, if an ankle uh, a connection to Iran remains to be seen I mean they tried to with the oil tanker right where they Mm -hmm. were like our tanker oh my god oh no and like it it didn't really work Americans were like who gives a shit (laughs) for the most part I'm sure there were people who were like bomb Iran because there's always those you know fucking idiots but people are just so so tired of, Mm. of conflict and also we we don't have enough people to fight another war like that. You're gonna call. What are you gonna call more people up on like their tenth, eleventh tour? Yeah, it, they'd have to institute the draft again. Absolutely, absolutely. Which like, man, if you want to be even more unpopular, do that. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I guess like it's good news that it didn't happen. Obviously, but it is bad news that. Trump threatening Iran by saying, I could have killed 150 of you, but I chose not to, is considered like good leadership. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that, that I find depressing. Yeah. Um, so also in bad news, I wanted to talk about uh, tomorrow, Sunday, there is supposed to be mass deportations. Trump originally came out and said, we're going to deport millions of people, which is like, you don't have infrastructurally impossible infrastructurally (laughs) infrastructurally impossible you don't have enough people to do it you don't have enough vehicles to do it like there was no way that they were going to be able to deport a million people so now the plan is that they're going to deport more than 2,000 undocumented immigrants um, which is still terrible in uh, in many as 10 cities all across the country Um, and uh, so obviously this is terrible. Um, Meredith tweeted this really great thing where she was like, if you see anything like this happening, it's your duty to videotape it. Um, and get these people, these fucking fascists on videotape and tweet it. You can, um, tweet immigrants rights groups on twitter letting them know that it's happening it's just like a big thing too if you see a raid happening document it Mm -hmm. because oftentimes obviously the people who are being raided can't get their phones out to like yeah say what's happening to them so you have to tell everybody what's happening there are all of these advice sheets going around twitter that are i know people mean well when they're like You know, you don't have to open the door for ICE. You don't have to agree to searches. You can contact a lawyer. Like, Mm -hmm. that is all technically true. But it's one of those things where there's a separate set of rules where it's like there's what's legally technically true and then what practically happens on the ground, which is like you can say you're not allowed to come in here. But when they kick in the front door, it's like, okay, you're in here now. (laughs) Like, what do I do now? Um but anyway, so obviously this is the Trump administration desperately trying to give their base something that they can point to mm-hmm. in the 2020 election to be like, 
listen, we said we were going to build the wall. We did not build the wall, right? But look, we deported 2,000 undocumented immigrants. Yeah, we said we would do a million people. Yes. But we couldn't do that because the Democrats wouldn't let us, you know? <laughs> but we got those 2,000 dirty immigrants, you know? So they just want to be able to say they did something going into 2020. So their base isn't like, but you never did anything about those bad immigrants. Um so it's like a transparently political move that's going to destroy a lot of lives. Yeah. Which is very, very sad, obviously. Um, on a similar note, the Trump administration recently argued in front of a Ninth Circuit panel that the government is not required to give soap or toothbrushes to children apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border. Just that sentence, children apprehended... <laughs> Child like, criminals, uh, and their crime is walking north. It's so, like, I don't, uh, we have, we're, we're detaining people for no reason, and prisons are bad anyway, and, like, I just can't, like, people have been having this whole conversation about, like, oh, should we call them concentration camps, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care what we call them as long as we all agree this is bad and needs to stop and here's some strategies to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't have, this doesn't have to be the Holocaust 2.0 as much as it is looking that way yeah. to be something very bad that needs to be stopped. Yeah, I, I agree that we never have to get to the point of death camps for this to be like a crime against humanity. Like it already it is. It already is. And People we, keep saying, oh, we're like moving towards human rights abuses i'm like no no we've been there people have died we have been there people have died for a long time in these camps um horrible things have happened in these camps rapes um like there already have been horrible crimes happening there um but i think i think the reason that the internment camp language is important is the spirit of never forgetting right yeah which is like it is important to call this what it is before we get to death camps, mm -hmm. you know, like, and a lot of people have been joking about it on Twitter. I made a joke about it where it's like on the way to the gas chambers. Well, technically they're not chambers, you know, where it's like, <laughs> who gives a shit? People are dying. Whatever yeah. we call it, you know, like, what do you call a camp where people are dying? Okay, you don't want to call them death camps. Okay, uh, internment camps? We're, we're interning people in a camp. Can we call it that? It, that is what it is, historically. There are experts on internment camps, historical experts who study this shit, who are like, this is the textbook definition of an yeah. internment camp. George Takai, who was held in two internment camps uh, when mm -hmm. he was a child, was like, listen, I lived in two of them. These are internment camps. Yep. I've seen the photos. That's what they look like. Um, but I guess the, the idea is it doesn't fucking matter. These are not people who are arguing in good faith, right? You know, where they don't actually care about the immigrants. They just yep. resent the fact that the Democrats are calling them baddies, which is like, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you are the baddies in the history books. If you support yep. this, you're the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like, if, if you decide to imprison people, give them fucking soap. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, A, let's not imprison people. But yeah. at this point, it's like, it's been done, right? You have these people in prisons. The very least you can do, and by the way, these are children, is give them Basic toothbrush. Sanitation. Yeah. Toothbrushes, toothpaste, and soap. And this is part of like the, the further dehumanization of them, right? Mm -hmm. So like my tin hat reading of this is... The more you deprive these people of basic sanitary things, mm -hmm. the sicker they get, the more excuses you have to keep them quarantined, which is like, well, now we can't let them out because they're all sick. You yeah. know, uh, they're contaminated. And I think even people who um, are like sympathetic to the immigrants will be like, well, I don't want sick people in our cities. You know, I think it's just a further excuse mm -hmm. that they're coming up with to be like, well, they're dirty. You don't want these people around you. And it's like, right, because you made them that way. You wouldn't give them soap so that they could stay sanitary. Um, but guys, on that note, that was a lot of bad news. Let's end things on a positive note. Here is your good news.
All right. So this first story, I don't know if it's technically good news, but it made me laugh. So recently, uh, a court unsealed more than 50 pages of text messages that were apparently exchanged between Sean Hannity (laughs) and noted crime enthusiast Paul Manafort (laughs) over the course of a year. And... The texts are just so pathetic. So it's mostly Sean Hannity tweeting or texting Paul Manafort um, stuff like, can we talk? How are you? <laughs> can you talk? Oh, it's Question like a, marks. It's like a sad boy that you shouldn't have given your phone number uh-huh. to. <laughs> hey, how are you holding up? Hey, you up? Three question marks. <laughs> hey, how are you? Hey, you okay? Three question marks. Ha ha, you should be watching me. Hey, any update? <laughs> Hello. <clears throat> Can you talk? Are you up? <laughs> How are you? Hey. Hello. You okay? Can you talk? Two question marks. Three question marks. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and like... I imagine that this was presented in court to show that here is a very prominent host of a quote unquote news show, a show on Fox News, um, who clearly had a lot of interest in Paul Manafort, who is a a criminal, a war criminal Mm -hmm. responsible for the death of of a lot of people. And texting him like a little frat boy like a little frat boy with a crush and how pathetic that is but it really made me laugh yeah the the fact that he sent you up was just like (laughs) beautiful i loved it it made me happy so again i don't know if it's good news but it it made me very 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 funny Also, I wanted to shout out uh, the U.S. women's soccer team. Yes. In the three years after the U.S. women's soccer team won the 2015 World Cup, U.S. women's games generated more total revenue than U.S. men's games. Hmm. They should be paid more. Hmm. You would think so, right? Like, if you are earning more money for the franchise, you think that you get paid more, right? In In a sane world. Uh, and it's just so interesting, like, as an outsider watching people watch women's soccer and soccer in general, because mm-hmm. I truly, I don't follow soccer at all. Occasionally, I'll watch the World Cup, but it, like, depends on what year it is and how much other stuff I have going on. Yeah. But my friends are really into it, like, hardcore into it. And, like, watching how excited they get about U.S. women's soccer mm-hmm. or women's soccer in general over men's soccer is really, really interesting. It, it, it reminds me of like during the Olympics, like women's gymnastics. Yeah. Like the U.S. women's gymnastics team is a powerhouse mm-hmm. and so much better than the men's team. And like it's so great to watch how excited people get where like it just reminds you where it's like, yeah, women's sports can be incredible. And again, I cannot believe we're having this conversation in 2019. (laughs) Like it should be a no shit. Like, of course, women athletes are as as exciting, if not more exciting than male athletes. But there's still that dumb jock humor of like nobody goes to the WNBA, you know, like shit like that Mm -hmm. Uh, where it's like, yeah, it, it always depends on the sport, right? Like, there are men's sports that don't garner a huge audience. But if you look at gymnastics, if you look at soccer, women are so dominant and so exciting to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you been watching? No. No? <laughs> you you cheered at the beginning of this story like you were a hardcore fan, but no, you were I just mean, cheering people, the people idea. People are very excited about it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny I, to I watch I was cheering as a surrogate for all the people who are actually watching (laughs) and for women athletes in general yeah um so also i wanted to shout out five veteran new york one anchor women uh because so first of all new york one if you don't live in new york you probably don't know this is like an institution for local news in the city i've now lived in the city for oh no 14 years (laughs) too long and new york one is just like a staple of living in the city right for all Mm -hmm. your local news needs um so i am familiar with a lot of these anchor women who 
um, have just filed this blistering new lawsuit because they claim they lost their airtime to younger female reporters. Um, and so this includes uh, Roma Torre, Kristen uh, Shaughnessy, Janine Ramirez, Vivian Lee, Amanda Farinacci. They filed an age and gender discrimination suit in Wednesday in uh, Manhattan Federal Court against New York One's parent company, Charter Communications. The women who range in age from 40 to 61 claim that Charter's 2016 merger with founding uh, parent company Time Warner Cable marked the beginning of a precipitous decline for their careers that continues to this day, and they want to make clear that their fight is with Charter. This has nothing to do with the talents and abilities of those who were coming up behind us, Lee, 44, told The Post. It has everything to do with staking our claim to what we have earned rightfully. So, first of all, I think these women are badasses for um, joining forces and filing this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. But also, I thought it was so great that they really made it clear that they have no beef with the, like, younger people who have come up behind them. They're just like, this... This entity, this corporation is just discriminating against us because of our age. Right. They're we like don't the, resent the fact that there's this new talent coming up. The corporation yeah. is pitching women against women. Exactly. And um, these women are like, we don't want that battle. We yeah. want to f- pick a fight with you, the corporation. It's also so fucking dumb to do shit like this because if you're familiar with local news mm-hmm. and the people who watch local news, an audience builds a relationship with newscasters and they don't want to see like familiar faces people they know kick to the curb once they're older than 40 it's like no we know this person we see this person every night like even because i watch um my old local news channel from detroit to see like the thanksgiving day parade every year and they still have like um, at least one of the same female anchors that they had when I was a little kid. Yeah. And I was like, yay, it's her. She's still there. Yeah, like, it's a very comforting thing to see someone that you're familiar with night after night after night. And if you keep throwing out people once they hit middle age, like mm-hmm. no one's, your audience is not demanding that. Yeah. No one's ever, I mean, listen, I don't want to say no one. Maybe there's some douchebag guy who's like, give me another 20 year old. You know. <laughs> but for the most part, people are like, I want to see the person I've been watching for the past 20 years yep. tell me what happened today in my community. They're not like, man, I wish an 18-year-old was telling me this, <laughs> you know? I like that they keep getting younger <laughs> in my <laughs> examples. Man, this fetus is hot. <laughs> tell me what the weather is. So, yeah, I wanted to shout them out because, um, yeah, it, it it's, it's always a great thing to see um, – People join forces, whether it's like collective bargaining or a lawsuit like this, uh, where it would have been really easy for these women to feel like ashamed or embarrassed and not talk about it Mm -hmm. and just be like, well, that sucks. I just feel really bad about myself and like to retreat into like the wilderness or whatever happens when a newscaster (laughs) loses their job. They They go into the woods. They into the Yukon. (laughs) They go into the woods and they die, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to shout out these women. That reminded yeah. me, though, before... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so much to get to. So, a couple things from Twitter that made me very happy. I will link to this in the lips and recap, but did you see the video of the guy in the highlighter shirt? No. Okay, it's so funny. So, I don't want to um, stereotype, but based on the accents, I'm going to say this happened somewhere in the South. Because both men, uh, well, actually, you only hear one man in the video. He has a very thick Southern accent. And (laughs) there's a guy who videotaped this from his balcony. Apparently, what happened was there were some kids playing in, like, what looks like communal space, like a communal yard. Mm -hmm. And this old white dude came out and was yelling at them to, like, go away. And then, and by the way, this is how you be a good ally. There, Another white dude who is in the highlighter shirt, um, 
comes like stalking out and he starts screaming at this guy where he's like, I know these kids. These kids are from this neighborhood. You don't have the right to tell them they can't play here. You keep playing kids. And he's just like <laughs> screaming. And the other dude is silent the entire time. <laughs> then the, at the end of the video and do watch it until the end, the guy recording it goes, that's right, cuz. <laughs> it's so funny. And I just like, it warmed my heart to see a guy who he could have easily just walked away and let this like nasty old white dude yell at these poor kids who were just playing and he was like no i'm gonna fucking say something (laughs) so good on you highlighter shirt um also i wanted to float this out to the audience because it's sort of a thought experiment so do send your own answer to hashtag um light trees and pod and someone posted this the other day and when i saw it the first time I was like, oh, that's really funny. And then I started to think about it. And <laughs> the more you think about it, the deeper it gets. So Kristen Lighty tweeted, saw three women walk into the woods with a huge suitcase and thought, good, it's starting, <laughs> which is very funny, right? But then I was like, what do you think is in the suitcase? So at first, my first thought was they're going to start their own society. They're like, I've had it. I've had it with men. We're going into the woods. See, we, I instantly thought dead man in the suitcase. Yes. <laughs> so that was the second thought I had where I was like, oh, no, there's totally a body in the suitcase. But then so I tweeted it and I said, I feel like this is a Rorschach test for what different people think <laughs> is in the suitcase. So there were some good responses. Um, Amy Littlefield had a similar journey. She said, OK, my initial thought was that we're starting the process of building a society without men and we need some clothes for that. But I see your point now. Wow. <laughs> Um, so Lisa said, I assume robes, wands, and the book of spells to start the initiation followed by the uprising. (laughs) Good answer. Um, MP Schultz said a year's supply of feminine hygiene products, top shelf tequila, and a copy of Rebecca Trazer's book, uh, Good and Mad. And then podcast yarn just said Pulp Fiction part two which is also a good answer because the the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, you never see what's in it. They just open it and it glows. Um, all great answers. But what do you guys think? Hashtag light trees and pot. What's in that fucking suitcase? What's in that suitcase? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. I think it's a dead man. I think it's a dead man and he was probably a bad man. Maybe several dead men. How big is the suitcase? I mean, it's hard to pack a body. You guys know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, so anything you're looking forward to? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, planning a trip to Vermont uh, for my family reunion this August. It's still like, uh, over a month away and I'm extremely excited. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. And I think we're going to try to go to Cape Cod first to visit my gay Ooh. uncle who I haven't seen in a while. I love that you call him my gay uncle. Well, because he's awesome. And, um, he lives in a little shack by the sea and has a big garden. And honestly, doesn't have a, f- a smartphone. Doesn't have email. He might be my hero. That <laughs> I know. Amazing. I told him I was like, because he was saying, you know, people kind of look down on him for like not being because he works on computers for a living. Oh wow! Um, so he's like, you know, people kind of get mad at me for not being instantly available, like on their schedule whatever and i was like no everyone i know would think your life is goals honestly although i say that but then the times i've tried to like unplug for a couple days i've been like oh i'm going batty (laughs) i get really weird where but then i feel like there's a threshold because i did a silent meditation thing once for Mm -hmm. like a week and the first three days i was like crawling out of my skin and then you hit a week and it's almost like your brain resets yeah and suddenly you're like, oh, this is, I could do this. I could. Yeah. Like, once never- you actually like detox from like having other people's thoughts poured into your brain every second of the day. Right. Which um, is what we're doing to you right now. I apologize. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's your fault. You downloaded the podcast. True. You could undownload this podcast. Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> hey, and on an opposite note, please go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us yes. going. If you enjoy your weekly recaps, if you enjoy all the recommendations we bring you, all the bad news, all the good news, you probably don't enjoy the bad news, but if you enjoy the good news, please support the show. Yep. Also, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. That's my name. Hello. 
uh, if you sign up at the $5 a month level or higher, we'll answer your questions on Light Trees and News. Also, if you're a $10 a month member, you get to do monthly hangouts. $50 a month members get handwritten letters from me and all of those other perks too. It's a good deal. We have so much fun during the monthly hangout. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm not even a big part of the monthly hangout anymore. I like facilitate a space where everybody can meet up and like talk to each other. That's very cool. Like give recommendations yeah. and stuff, which I fucking love. I love you guys uh, mingling on your own um, and meeting each other and becoming friends. It warms my little heart. Please follow Faith on Twitter at Bohemian Faith. Is there anything else you want to plug? Um, Your no. Patreon? Uh, yeah, I do have a Patreon. Um, it is patreon.com slash F-A Boschman. <laughs> Spell Boschman. It's B-E-A-U-C-H-E-M-I-N. Yeah, because they never would have figured <laughs> that out in a million <laughs> that years. That is currently the only place you can read my fiction. Um, I try to do weekly little updates with uh, book recommendations and a tarot card draw, um, but that's not always weekly, but I try. Mm-hmm. Isn't it fun how the new economy is GoFundMe and Patreon? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, desperate creatives being like, can you send me $5? And then sick people being like, can you not let me die? Um, that's America. I tweeted this the other day. Do you remember? You probably don't remember this, but in 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. there was a minute where GoFundMe was like people asking for maybe like $50 to do dumb, fun stuff where it was like a guy named Steve and he was like, hey, should I eat all this pasta? And like people sent him $50 and they were like, fuck yeah, eat that pasta, Steve. And then like he would put like post a video of him eating all the pasta. That's what GoFundMe was for like a second. I do not remember that. And then it just became a th- like 100% medical emergency. Yeah. Uh, because America's broken and we mm-hmm. don't have access to healthcare. Support Medicare for all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, there was a, a like a minute where GoFundMe was not one tragedy after another. I remember I remember it being like mostly art projects. It was that. That was the second wave. So it, was, it went from Steve eating pasta <laughs> to like artists being like, well, I can't make a living doing this, but can you support me? Yeah. And then it became 100% a medical. If you go to the front page of GoFundMe, it is just one tragedy after another. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally someone has an idea for like a cool product who's like, hey, can you help me make the the thing that I want to like put out into the market? And uh, people are like, yeah, I'll do that. And then the next page is like, I'm dying of cancer. Please help me not die of cancer. Guys, <laughs> support Medicare for all. Um, I'm not going to watch the Democratic debates because I'll be in L.A., but I'll be following them on, on Twitter, I'm sure, if you want to follow me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow Light Trees and News on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Engage with the posts, guys. You've been doing that more, and I see you. The more you like it, the more you comment on it. The more you see it in your feed, yep. um, the better it is for the algorithm show. is garbage now. Yep. The algorithm. Um, if you're like trying to start out something that needs social media presence at this point, you're fucked. It is so much harder it's than it was. really hard to gain a following. I never anywhere. would have gained a following from podcasting if I started now. The only reason I gained a following is because like we started in 2008. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's I, there was that was so like the optimal time to like gain social media followers. Everyone honestly. didn't have a podcast. Yeah, it's it's like virtually impossible now. But mm-hmm. we we have a cool little community going. So let's keep that going. Um, if you had any thoughts about anything we talked about today, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let us know. Uh, yeah, follow us, support us any way you can. And yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah. Uh, if you see any fucking ice fascists. Tape them, videotape them. Mm -hmm. Don't let them get away uh, with it in secret. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun and be safe at Pride. Yeah. Especially in New York City, it's World Pride. Yeah. Uh, Do the Queer Liberation March. Do the Queer Liberation March. (laughs) Don't do the Pride Parade. It's corporate and gross and it's a fucking joke. Uh, Okay. I love you all. Uh, Thanks for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Bye.